Story after story here in Mark give us more insight into who Jesus was when he was here on earth. And honestly, hearing these stories, well, it's not how I'm raising my children, and it's not even how I strive to be myself as an adult. I mean, look at these stories. Sure, we've heard the first one time and time again, the story of Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners. Those words don't mean anything to us anymore. But these were people who made a living out of swindling others out of their hard-earned money. These weren't IRS agents taking only what is owed to the government. These were people who added as much money as they could on top of what was owed so that they could pocket all the extra for themselves. That's how they made money. That's literally how they made a living, by cheating and lying to people. And these sinners that Mark is referring to, well, let's just say these weren't the type that you were going to bring home to meet your parents. I remember in second grade not being able to go to a friend's birthday party because my friend's dad worked in a restaurant that served alcohol. My friend's dad was the manager of a restaurant in town that had a bar inside the restaurant. That alone, that one simple affiliation meant that that friend might have been a bad influence on me, and I was not able to go to her party. I remember that today. That friend was nothing but nice to me. She's still a friend of mine today. She was a model second grade student, but her affiliation to her dad made her a possible bad influence for me growing up. And here in this story, Jesus himself is eating with con artists, with drunkards, with money lenders and prostitutes. Just eating with them. He's not preaching to them or teaching them how to turn their lives around. He's telling them the kingdom of heaven is for everyone. It's for you, he said. Talk about affiliation. And Mark proceeds to then point out that Jesus and his disciples weren't fasting. Others are fasting. John and his disciples, even the Pharisees are fasting. How come you aren't fasting, Jesus? And Jesus doesn't even give an answer they could understand. He just talks about bridegrooms and wineskins and everything that he says goes right over their heads. They don't understand it. They don't get it. So we have this man that travels around speaking to large groups of people, healing people. But he's also meeting with low-class members of society and seems to be just ignoring spiritual practices that others are participating in. This doesn't sound like the great leader we're looking for, not one that we're wanting to imitate in our lives. In fact, it sounds a lot like the politicians that fill our news feeds, 
They go out speaking to large crowds, giving hope and encouragement. Then they're seen having coffee or dinner with someone whose endorsement isn't wanted, and they avoid directly answering questions when they're asked. Why is Mark telling us these stories of Jesus? We're at the beginning of the book of Mark as we're going through. Why is he building Jesus up as this person instead of the role model that we strive to raise this next generation to be, that we strive for ourselves to maintain and become? We tell our kids to be kind to everyone, to show everyone respect and dignity. We tell them to befriend others who are all alone. I've never once told my child to go and eat with the school bully at lunch. This is the equivalent of what Jesus is doing by eating with these people. On Wednesday nights here before our youth meal, we ask the kids, who wants to give thanks for our meal tonight? Every Wednesday night, without fail, everyone looks around the circle, (laughs) waiting to see who the brave soul is going to be. Yet when we go downstairs, they immediately want to know, can we pray for, for us tonight? But when they're all in one big group together, everyone just looks around. We don't say, oh, nobody wants to pray tonight. That's okay, we'll just eat. We don't say that. We make them wait a minute until some brave soul out there says, I'll do it. We continue, even though it takes a little extra time and waiting and pressure, we wait for someone to volunteer. We still continue to incorporate that spiritual practice each week. So why is Mark telling us these stories? It isn't until we get to this final story of Mark, this third story in which he shares that we begin to wipe our eyes clear and are able to see what was meant by the first two stories. At first glance, Jesus appears to be nothing more than a rule breaker, someone with no real spiritual connection, someone we wouldn't have been able to associate with for the fear that they would have been a bad influence on us. But this third story Mark tells of Jesus is still him breaking rules, but it's in a different way. This time, when Jesus breaks the rules, it's to heal someone. It's good. It's obviously, blatantly good. There's no way we can't understand this one. And we realize in that moment that goodness triumphs over everything else. It's in that moment that we remember that people are all people. Both swindlers and saints have the same needs. We all come with titles and labels, affiliations around Jesus' table. Should all be positive. They should all be welcome. 
None should be denied regardless. All are welcome. Jesus made time to get to know people, all kinds of people. And that, that is goodness, that is love. And even if it takes us having to pull the plank out of our own eye before we can see it, before we notice that these stories aren't stories of something to fear, aren't stories of something to avoid, Jesus' actions were good. They're noble. And the spiritual disciplines... They can be done anytime, anywhere. There's no set time to have to do them. At any given time when you need to call upon God, you can. There are no restrictions to that. There are no limitations. Anytime prayers and practices are done, God is there. Love really does win. But unfortunately, not everyone can see the big picture. Here, we've only gotten through the sixth verse of the third chapter, and already Jesus has shaken up the rules and normalcy enough to scare those who are in control. People in control like to remain in control, and anyone who threatens their livelihood, they exterminate them. And here, Already at the beginning of chapter 3 in verse 6, they're already plotting to destroy Jesus. Here, Mark introduces us to Christ's love that is outside our normal box. We often preach on not keeping God in a box, and not limiting God. But we often fail to remember that Jesus is a part of that as well. And these things that look like there's something we want to avoid and something that we don't want to pass on to future generations are perhaps what we need to be encouraging. That love will triumph everything. So here we are, with them plotting against Jesus, already the beginning of chapter 3, which is a shame, because I feel like we're just starting to get to know him.